Welcome to the SBS podcast sponsored by Zwift. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. My 15th attempt at winning. Always keep riding. You're going to come across something today, there's going to be something go wrong and um, try and keep keep the morale high and just keep going because there's always someone else who's had a puncher or had a bike change or so you can come back a lot in this race and uh, Stewie O'Grady's a great example of that, you know, he was in the early break, had a puncher, thought his race was over and he won Paris-Roubaix, so... Keep believing, keep riding, and you, it's not over until we get to Velodrome. Heyman is leading out, it's Stenard around the outside, Heyman with his nose in front, Bonin is trying to challenge, but it's Matthew Heyman! It's an early birthday present. Heyman holding on. Matthew Heyman wins. And that was, of course, the victory of Matthew Heyman 2016 uh, in Paris-Roubaix. You are listening to the Zwift Cycling Central's podcast and we're doing a, a special edition this week uh, to preview the Hell of the North, the Queen of the Monuments, Paris-Roubaix. Roubaix, as is known in uh, in Australia. And joining me is Dave McKenzie. Hey, Dave. Hey, look at you. You're up and about because we're Come about on. to cross the border into <laughs> France. Oh, gee. Hey, no, it's just because you're allowed to be, though. You're allowed to <laughs> It's an amazing race. It is an amazing People race. People don't see, but you're, wake, you're wearing such a last week t-shirt, <laughs> the Flanders t-shirt. I'm, I know. I'm a week behind, but, you know, I'm in the mood. So I thought, This well, is so last week, mate. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't have a Roubaix t-shirt, so, you know. Yet. Yet. Yes. Uh, joining us is someone that has uh, rode Paris-Roubaix and he's got a little history around it. It's Wes Salzberger. Hey, Wes. Hi. Thanks very much for having me, Christophe. We, we'll chat a lot about your experience at Paris-Roubaix because out of us three, you're the only one that actually started that, uh, that race and finished it as well. Can I just say, look, it's the only reason you've been invited in because you've ridden. <laughs> I haven't ridden, right? But that doesn't matter. I've got a Flanders T-shirt on. Yeah, you're invited because you raced it. Yeah, and I've got the keys on. of the studio. So that's, <laughs> exactly. That's how we do it. Uh, yeah, so epic start of this podcast because an epic race uh, and the history behind this race, Paris-Roubaix, has been part of the whole century of the, the history of cycling in, in France and in Europe. It's incredible, isn't it? It's um. I think if I can just say, as a cyclist and as a, a fan of the sport, I've always loved Perry Bay, but I've become to love it more in the last probably 10 years, uh, working on the race and, and living in that area, but more so also with the Tour de France, covering parts of the Tour mm -hmm. de France when it goes up that area. So that, that's an interesting debate. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, I remember last year at the Tour, there was a huge debate on whether or not there should be cobbles, should be pavé section in the Tour de France. Half of our team agreed they should, and half of the team said, no, it's too hard. So which half of the idiots said no? I have got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably listening now. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but, but for me, I, I love it more, and I'll be interested to get your take on it, Wes, especially because you've ridden the race. I love it more because of the history. I love Flanders as a bike race, mm -hmm. 
but I love Roubaix because of the history, of course, the race as well, but the history, what, what, what involves the race and the history that has, has carried yeah. on and endured with that race. As a rider, how much of the weight of the history, when you're standing mm. in that starting line, uh, do, do, you feel about, do you feel that history around you? Well, definitely being on the French team with, with FDJ, yeah. with Marc Matteo, um, super passionate about that race. Like to him, that's like, it's, a, it's Roubaix or, or Tour de France, the two uh-huh. races that he just like. He won it twice. Yeah. yeah. So it just, he just ignites in the briefings and like, yeah, you can't control him. The weeks leading up to it doing the, um, doing the, the recon, he was just like so excited walking around at the dinner table. He was just like chuffed up the whole time. <laughs> I and mean, we were tired from training and he was just super pumped. So yeah, yeah there is a good a good feel around, um, especially, yeah, again, being part of that French team and having Marc Maudio, who'd won the race twice. Um, it was certainly, yeah, it certainly was a standout. We knew this was a big race, yeah. It was your, you were a Neo pro. Yeah, first, first year. First year pro. First so you were lining pro. up for Roubaix. Do you think, was Matteo, do you think, sizing you up, looking at you, and you are probably 50 <laughs> kilograms ringing wet at that point? Was he sizing you up going, well, this guy's in yeah. for Let's well, try him. Let's, yeah, try him. Yeah, <laughs> let's just throw him in the deep end. It was pretty much, let's just, let's just throw Wes in there because um, I finished fifth that down under that year. Uh, so it went on the car order. So of your riders that you started in that race. So, um, starting me, they got their, they got their fifth car position. So you know, there wasn't many world tour points on offer early, early days then for races. So that was how I got my start Roubaix and also Milan San Remo, Flanders and Liège that year. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a pretty, pretty stiff learning Baptism curve. fire. Yeah. <laughs> my first race in Europe was as a pro was head Volk. So head yeah. Volk, so did yeah. you feel the step was really up? It was really up. Yeah. <laughs> I was petrified. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Really, really scared. Like, you know, watching video clips the night before of the crashes of Roubaix with Johan O'Frey as my teammate, just going, turn that off. I don't want to see that. <laughs> and I was is, just, is the main fear the crashes? Yeah. For me, it definitely was just of like, I just didn't want to have like, it wasn't a race designed for me and it wasn't something that I really wanted to do, but like, I didn't want to tell the team, no, it was my first year, mm-hmm. you know, signing pros. So I wasn't going to say, I'm telling them, no, I'm not going. So, um, yeah, going along to that race and just knowing the Arenberg forest, I was just absolutely just, you know, crapping myself that I had mm-hmm. to go through this Arenberg <laughs> forest. And I thought there is no way after watching all the clips and, you know, and watching Roubaix, you know, year after year, um, on the sidelines that I was going to go to Roubaix and be in the bunch. I was like, I'm in the breakaway. And I said to Mark Madier the day of the race, I'm in the breakaway today. He's like, oh, you know, as you wish, Wesley, do what as you, you want. <laughs> you know, it's just, did, did it's he just, shrug the shoulder? Yeah, he did. He did shrug the shoulder. And then, uh, yeah, it was quite funny. After I made the break, um, then, yeah, and got to the finish as well, um, you know, he, he was, yeah, he was really, really a lot of appreciation, not just for from him, but from all the riders as well um, in the team that um, this little skippy kangaroo could bounce long over the cobbles. Yeah. Because Maka, yeah, this man has done a, a breakaway, 200 kilometers breakaway in Paris-Roubaix. Well, mm. if you're going to get away, yeah. the best time to get away is before the <laughs> Parvé, isn't before it? The and that's exactly yeah. about and 20, 30 k's, yeah? You've yeah, got well, like 53 to 54 k an hour average, um, you know, that first hour in. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd waited. I didn't use any, any, any biscuits out of the barrel. I was just like waiting, waiting, waiting. I knew that I only had sort of one hit in me to make sure that I made this break. It was a slight rise. It was that lull that you can feel at Mackie, you know, what I mean like that mm. so feel this lull is a slight rise and I'm looking and it was, was a bit of crosswind a little bit uh, and I looked over and saw Gre- um, Greg Henderson and he said yep get on and I just jumped on his wheel and cheeky just, kiwi and, <laughs> and I just followed him he just did a, 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 a pursuit for about 4k and then uh, we looked back a couple more come across and we ended up having one of my teammates Johan Ofredo come across as well so 
Um, for us, the team were really happy. I was in the break and I was like, oh, you beauty. <laughs> and then can you remember the first sector mm. comes at 100, 110 kilometres. Mm. Can you remember what the gap was, what gap you had when you guys got to that first sector? Uh, it was, I think it was, it still wasn't a huge amount. It was still like a 2.30 to 3 minute. Um, so you had to be of, on the gas. We, still, we didn't really get to ease up at all. Like it stayed around that sort of minute mark for a long time when we first got away. And then it went out to two minutes and we didn't really get far off that two minutes for a long time even like yeah coming into that 100 kilometer section there before the first pave section yeah we were still at like two minutes 30 and after we got through that first section and it, we we took it easy over all of the cobbles we had a few experienced riders in there as well um so they were sort of you know we made sure we rode quite easy on the cobbles and kept everyone together and then as soon as we got off those cobbles we were we were back to swapping off and how is it to enter that velodrome? Is the noise deafening when you enter? Yeah, this? because the crowd is just before you're getting into the velodrome. Yeah, up up that home stretch um, where where usually the attacks go or people are sort of tested out or wh- whether they're going to come together for a sprint. Up that that sh- that sort of funnel and that chute, and just as you enter in, there's so many people. It's like ten deep on the, on the edge of the barricades there. So it's it's just a real roar. And when you're in there, it's just like. Oh, it's just this light, bubbly feeling. I'm like, oh god, I've made it. <laughs> <laughs> what about for me? And I can only imagine because I never got to race Paris Bay. I've ridden the, the Grand Fondo, the Challenge Ride, a few times. Flying down mm. that last kilometre before mm. you hit the Arenberg Forest, because mm. to me, there's nothing else mm. like the Arenberg Forest. Yeah. It just blows mm. you away. What was the anticipation like for you? Because it's yeah. slight downhill yeah, it is, and it you're is, going yeah. quick. Yep. So I, I used that slight downhill to my advantage <laughs> and got up to about probably second or third wheel in the break. And as I come across that last bit of the section of that, I was like last rider and off the back and chasing. So like I just was not designed to go over cobbles. So and that's three point five yeah, kilometers. It's, it's fairly long. Dead so I just was trying as hard as I could. I sort of had a gap, maybe of I don't know, maybe fifteen meters or more. I was off the back, but I was like trying to make sure I didn't lose any more than that. Again, it, it, it did rain really heavily the week before, and when we we're doing recon, it was quite wet. So it wasn't wet, but it definitely wasn't like bone dry through there as well. Mm. So it was it was a bit dicey, and I was just so glad I was in the break. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Aremberg, the story is, uh, you guys know the story about Aremberg? It's very interesting. Uh, the race director was not happy with the number of pavé sector that were covered up by the, the French workers that were just covering with tarmac, you know, making it more modern. So he said, we need more pavé. We need more sections. So he asked around, and Jean Stablanski, uh, he's an ex-miner and was a, r- a rider as well, got this this idea that he used to work underneath. There used to be a mine, and he used to take this trouée d'Arambert, this little path to go home. And he said, why don't we raid? Because they, they said, didn't know about it. They didn't they know didn't about know it. They didn't know this it, it existed. Yeah. It was crazy. And the mines, as you enter Arambert Forest, uh, the mines are right there, yeah, the old absolutely. mines, and they're they're sort of heritage protected now, I think. And um, and the village is sitting just outside the toy, the the, the the path. Yeah. Uh, how is it to enter this thing? Because you just mentioned you've got this kilometer lead mm. towards it, but does it symbolise the the hell of the north that the race is? For me, definitely. Like uh, that was the most the the thing that I was like putting off the most in my head was going through this Arenberg Forest, watching, you know, all the crashes and everything that's happened in the past through that, you know, career ending crashes. So for me, like coming into that was I was even though I was in the break still, I was still like, well, okay, I need to get up the front here and push my way forward. And you do have that downhill run into it. Uh, you know, it clearly marked on everyone's handlebars where where that section is, and you know, some of these other rides, even though they know it, it's still there. You can still see these these sticky notes on the bars, and that's definitely 
definitely highlight it. And that lead into it is just as important, especially if you're in the bunch, just as important as as you're hitting it. So because you know, the lead into that, if you're not in position leading into it, like it is just strung out, and riders just go across that at you know at full threshold and and over. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because you won't win the race there. Mm. And it's a bit of a cliche, but you yep. can definitely lose it. Yep. And if you're out of position, you can crash. I mean, um, Mitch Docker, mm. he, had a, mm-hmm. he had a nasty crash a mm. few years ago now. The year Matt Heyman won, actually. Mm. Uh, that was it. His season was just about over there. Uh, and, and these days, they put a barrier or barriers on the side, so they stop the public. But well, ages ago, they didn't. You know the what they do? Just there. Yeah. Well, you know what they do, though? They, they one side of... The course through the Ironberg is mud and dirt, but it's mm. flat it's, and it's, it's compressed. A few days before, and I've been there when they've done this, they take a tractor through and plough it up. So you can't <laughs> ride through it, right? And the other side, they never used to. It's, there's actually a path, a smooth yeah. path. Mm. Now they put a fence line barrier. Mm. So you can't, as a rider... A racer, you can't jump on that side and, so it's not and race half, down. It's not half hell. It's so the hell of it, the north. Oh, they're making it even worse. <laughs> if it's not bad enough as it is, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, hell of the north, I think you you got a, a history how that race was named Hell of the North. Yeah, I have, and, and this is probably the bit that really uh, resonates with me and um, well with a lot of other people because their family history, I'm sure a lot of people would have um, family members who fought in the war. So there's a, there's a longer bit to this, but I'll just read out this one uh, paragraph. And this is from uh, La Alto in 1919, so post-World One, They jumped in the car, journalists or race organisers left Paris and they didn't know whether there were roads. They didn't yeah. know what existed up they north. They had no idea. Yeah, they had no idea. We enter into the centre of the battlefield. There's not a tree. Everything is flattened. Not a square metre that has not been hurled upside down. There's one shell hole after another. The only things that stand out in this churned earth are the crosses with their ribbons in blue, white and red. It is hell. And then the winner of that year, Henri Pellissier, speaking of his 1919 victory, said, this wasn't a race, it was a pilgrimage. And that's when the journalists named it the hell of the North because of World War One and what they'd seen. It was, it was incredible. And you know why it was a pilgrimage as well? Because his brother died in 1915 in that field and there was nobody else that could win that race but him. He said this at the beginning, he won that race. It's it's that's the stuff I love. It gives you goosebumps, doesn't it? It's it's awesome. Absolutely. Let's talk about uh, this year, you know, and then uh, we'll come back a bit on the history. But uh, uh, what can we expect? Because there's, there's, this year will be charged with emotion um, because we lost a rider last year. So mm. therefore, there will be hopefully something done around uh, the safety, uh, but also something done to to commemorate this. I'm not sure, and I hope this is respectful. I'm not trying to be funny, but I'm not sure if there is anything they can do about mm-hmm. the safety. They've got to go over the parve, um, uh, and that rider he didn't he didn't die because of the parve, obviously. But um, there, I'd say there'll be something certainly. There's already I've already seen a couple of um, yeah. articles, and I think it was uh, the owner of the team actually posted on Twitter just a day or so ago because it was the actual day. Yep. It was a couple of days back. And it was a nice, it was just a nice post. So, yeah, it'll be interesting uh, what they do mm-hmm. around that. Um, uh, I've got a question for you. In, in the modern time for a race like Paris-Roubaix, it's a good debate we can have, actually, but big guns used to win that race in terms of, you know, Eno, uh, Merckx, those guys used to, t- they used to win the Giro, the Tour de France, the Vuelta, and they used to win this race. Eno hated it, but he won it almost as a bet. Well, he only did <laughs> he it. He only did it, it because he got heckled by the French press, exactly. didn't he? And he said, oh, damn it, I'll go do this stupid race. It's ridiculous. Yeah. 
Went and did it, won it. He hit the dog and he won it. <laughs> and he, <laughs> he hit a dog on the way. Yeah, he hit the dog. He was but an bro- angry man, wasn't yeah. he? <laughs> <laughs> but that tells you how mad this race is. But debate, why are the big guns that win three weeks long tours now are not even riding this race? Well, it's. I, I think, the, to me, the most obvious answer, and I know there's, it's a bit more long-winded than this, it's the science of the sport. I guess. Um, but when did he start it? Some people say he started with Greg Lemon. Greg Lemon was the first one to specialise in winning Grand Tours and not doing anything else. Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. I mean, but saying that, I tell you who I have a huge amount of respect for, and it would have been great to have seen him win it. He came close. Was Wiggins? Yeah. Uh, in his last couple of years, he decided, and and Wiggins, you know, he loves the history of cycling, and he said, "I want to go on and do what. Okay, I can't do what Merckx did." Win five tours, win you know, however Paris Roubaix and Liège and all this, but I can still look. I can give them a crack, and I think he was seventh or top ten. He was top ten, yeah. That year, is it possible? Wes, do you think in modern modern era? It's it's possible, but it has to be the right beast. You know, Mm. Wiggins was was one who could who could challenge that. Could Um, Chris Froome do it? I don't think so. No, because he's he's proved that he's actually pretty good Mm. bike handler. Um, he's out of control, in control, yeah. Yeah, when you look, when you, when you look <laughs> he at looks, him. He looks out of yeah. control, but somehow he comes out the other side in control. But yeah. would someone like Indurain could have done it? You know, was he, was you he would have built for it? You would have thought he would I would have thought it. totally. I mean, he was 80 kilos yeah. winning the Tour de France. I'll tell you who can do it, no doubt, in my mind, but I think his focus is obviously now has shifted to is Garen Thomas, uh-huh. the current Tour yeah. de France champion. I mean, he's a classic he, he specialist. Would, he would be one who could do it, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, it's just whether or not it's not. It's, I don't think it's a big sacrifice because it's only a one-day race. But if you're a the guy that's trying to win, is, preparation is totally different. I was yeah. going to say it'd be totally different mm. if you're trying to win the Tour de France or too, the Giro. Is it too close to the Giro, for example, for you to be able to be competitive in both? Uh, I, I think so. Like if if you, it's a totally different approach to the training that you'd have to do as well leading into that race. So like if, you, if you're targeting the Giro, if you're targeting the Tour, you you could like. But yet again, you're still going to miss out some 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 of your of, of your base sort of you know Grand Tour training like through that period. Even though if even if you try to you know and Garen Thomas isn't someone who's going to go trying to sort of tap out a bit of training to do a side no. hustle to see if you can win it. They're going to go all in. So and they know the risks involved yeah, with that. Yeah. That's um, the other I mean, side. It's a too. risky the, race. The, the the team's asset, and you know if he wanted to do that, I I don't know whether he'd be allowed. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's a good, good point. point. Uh, can the double be possible this year? Winning Flanders. So we have a winner in Flanders. Can he do it again in Paris-Roubaix? No, he can't because he's not starting. He's a good <laughs> I don't think he's starting. I've looked at a current start list. I don't think so. So I could be wrong there. Okay. So uh, listeners, you he, know, don't slam me down. <laughs> I, I, uh, in, in modern time, you you could still do that double. I think it's, you know, no, I think it's totally... Done it. Bonin's mm. done it many times. Yeah. Uh, that double is important in a career. I think it's mm. doable. Totally. The other thing is, though, he's, he's on the radar. Yeah, <laughs> as well. yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, yeah. he went a little bit under the radar there, definitely he, on that one. He, so twenty k to go, you know, he went away solo. But yeah, I doubt whether they let him do that again. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> That's right. If he if he jumped twenty k's to go, they'd be well and truly onto him. Um, but of the other favourites, there's Where again, we, yeah. it's wide open. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to uh, to just. Pick mm. one favourite for this race because so much stuff can happen. Well, I love it that we said about Flanders in the build-up and during the, uh, the the broadcast on last Sunday, we said it's a wide-open race and then it was proven mm. uh, when you got Betty winning. Mm. And I think 
you know, there's there's usual suspects, Christoph, Degen, Kolb. I reckon Christoph is a big one for this win mm. uh, in Roubaix because he was, I mean, he got he got done on this last 20 kilometers mm. and they, they, he had no one to work with to come back. Yeah. Uh, but he he looked hot. Well, same with mm. Kolb, and he's mm. won Paris Roubaix. Yeah. So I I like to think he's back to his best. He was and and him and Christoph first yeah. and second in um, Wevelgem, um, you know, the week prior. So I think that's a good marker that their form is there or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. But there's a few others too, um, and we've got a few Aussies. Not too yeah. many, have no. we? We've got too many Aussies this year, but there's a few there. Where where are the chances? Oh, gee, we've got Brenton Jones. We've got Mitch Docker, a lot of experience. We took mentioned him, crashed at the Arenberg. This is a race that Mitch Docker lives for. Um, I see him, and I know this is a, it's almost being, uh, I, don't, I don't want to put too much pressure on him. I do see him a little bit like Matt Heyman. Mm. He'll be totally under the radar. That's yeah. not a lot of pressure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not a lot of pressure because Matt Heyman's won the race. But yeah. um, I think he just needs one of those days, mm. and you'd know this, Wiz. You have everything go your way. Everything fall into place. Everything yeah. has to fall into place. You've yeah. got to have super legs. Mm. I think Mitch Docker can get a, a big result here, but he needs everything to go his way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a few outsiders as well there as well. Like, for, well, like Daniel Oss, if, if Sagan's not on and Oss is in the break, mm-hmm. Oss is, is a dark horse. Like he's, he's my dark horse. If, if Sagan's not on or Sagan's not up there or something and say Oss goes in the break, he could be, uh, yeah, he could be okay. a real contender. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about Sagan, actually, because there's been a lot of talk about his form. Uh, but again, we co- we say he's not in form, but he's still at the pointy end of Flanders. Yeah, but he's you not know. winning, he's so not let's winning criticise it. him. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he was only yeah. he was only fourth in Milan Sonorima. Yeah, I mean, yeah, come he finished, on, he finished out of the top ten of, uh, of Flanders, but he was there at the pointy end. He was, yeah, there, he was right there. there. He was mm. 20, 30k to go. I thought he looked the goods yeah, because too. they went up whatever cobbled hill it was, and I thought, he's not showing much expression. I mm-hmm. thought, he's cruising. And he hadn't done much. He hadn't put his nose in the wind. Yeah. But then he showed, you could see, up the up the Quamont, he actually was off the wheel. Yeah. He got back on. He was only, you know, momentarily off. But yeah. if Sagan's on, yeah, he's, on. he's off the front. Yeah. He's not he's not losing two lengths. Um, he's just, he's, he's, he's 5% off. Yeah, he's but, marginally off. And it, but yeah. even his team is saying, oh, you know, he's not right. We've got to, maybe it's health. Maybe it's, it's like, Give the guy a break. Mm. He can't win everything. He, 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 and he, he pretty much has. He has. That's and we thing. expect that, that, him to win. His, that's his problem. That's He's his won problem. everything, so they expect him to win everything. Yeah, yeah. Another mention there is also Andre Greipel, yeah. um, flying on the radar with a smaller team. He was seventh in 2017, so he could be one as well if he's in a break or, you know, even though he's – yeah, you know, he's taking that step back with a smaller team. He would be a little bit under the radar too, and not really thought upon too much. And so. how much do you uh, rely on your team though in a race like Paris Roubaix? Because if you mention he's yeah. on a smaller team, yeah. Uh, if you're in the breakaway, then not too much. Yeah. Mm. Um, but if you're if you're not in that break, then you do definitely need teammates around you. Um, yeah. So d- d- the team team part of it will come into play depending on how his race plays out for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about um, what about Mitchell and Scott team yeah. you rode for? I've marked down, mm. well, obviously Trent in. Mm. He's, he's got good form. He's been good in the classics. He's that top 10 or thereabouts. I, thought, I think Bauer's going really well. To mm. me, he's a smoky. Yeah. I think he's going really well. And obviously Hepburn for the Aussies. Mm-hmm. How do you think they'll go? Do they need, do they need one of those mm. days like Heyman had? Yeah, I think I think it's going to be yeah the stars align sort of day yeah. for for Mitchell and Scott if we want to see them on, like, on the podium that's for sure yeah. it's got to be one of those days where everything lines up 
So yeah, it's uh, Bay. Just anything can happen. So mm-hmm. you can't write anyone off uh, in this race. Um, like Matt Heyman says, you just keep riding. Yeah, that's what he said yeah. in the intro. So you just yeah. keep riding, keep riding. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about Tep Strong. Um, because what a fall, what a, what a fall he had. We haven't really actually seen the fall, but the footage straight after the fall was really worrying. You know, he, he, was, he lost consciousness. Yeah, he was out, they, out for, I mean, I've heard a couple uh, of reports. Are we talking in Flanders, sorry, this week? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there was a few minutes up to 10 minutes, I heard one report that he was mm. unconscious for. So And his tweet, like his, his tweet about after the after the him having this crash, is quite actually daunting because he says basically... He needs to stay in bed for whatever it takes. He doesn't yeah. know how long it will take. Doctor said, "You stop. Maybe the whole season. Maybe you, whatever." It, it's it's a big conclusion. That's where crash hats crash hats help, eh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's bash, he's bumped his head, and but um, he, he looked like kind of an innocent crash. He wasn't mm. fast. He wasn't violent. He just happens to be in the wrong place. Oh, you 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 land on the wrong position. And I mean, where's those Northern Classics to me? Whenever I race those races, whenever the bunch bunched up and slowed down slightly, that's when I was more nervous mm. because everyone's trying to push through, you know, on a road that's three metres wide. It's, and it's there's not, not enough space. It's not only the, the pave, you know, yeah. like, it's not just the sectors as well. Like yeah. I crashed uh, during Roubaix, it wasn't even on the sectors. I got through the sectors and then there was a sharp left-hander. It was a little bit dusty um, around one of the corners, a bit dusty and sandy from a tractor pulling out, you know, pulling mm. out and probably driving over it the day before or that day of. And I went around this corner and just, yeah, slid straight out. And you're not looking, you're not in the race. You're not coming up to that corner going, I wonder if there's a tractor dust on the, <laughs> on the side here. I'll, I'll just slow down a bit. <laughs> you see, you're, you're looking yeah. who's either side was, of you. It was you're, great for my great yeah. for my breakaway because the rest of them, you know, just watched me fall because I was the first round. And, so this is in the break. This is in the break, So it's slippery there. We'll just ease up here. <laughs> <laughs> and then you could get mechanicals, of mm-hmm. course. And we saw that in Flanders with uh, Van der Poel. I mean that that wheel that breaks, and how he tried to control this to control this. I'm still trying to work out if what it happened? was his wheel that mm. folded on him. I I actually think it was his steerer mm. on his okay. um, forks. Mm. Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen. Well, it. he's because he's got one hand off the handlebars and he's sort of got the arm up like cautiously, and then suddenly bang, he goes like, over. Like Hincapie style. Yeah, it yeah. was like that when yeah. Hincapie yeah. snapped his steerer yeah. in, in Paris Roubaix. Um, oh. Do you know the Belgian press? Uh, that's yeah. a, that's oh. our friend in the hall, my best mate in Holland. <laughs> you're in there, you like so much. Yeah, yeah, you're Dutch, yeah. I haven't met this bloke yet, but anyway. Yeah. You will, you will. But uh, he, he sent me a clipping from uh, the Belgian press, or the, the Belgian Dutch-speaking press, that only rated Van der Poel 6 out of 10 because he should, inverted comma, handle better to his handlebar <sighs> and not ride on the pavement. Nationalistic a bit? Come on. You know, and you know I'm, you know I'm pro-Belgium. When it comes to Belgium and Holland, you know, in World Cup football, I am totally yeah. Belgian, but... <laughs> Come on, Belgies. Respect where respect is due. Uh, he, his bike handling skills are pretty good. He's world cyclocross champion. And <laughs> did you see that that little slide yeah, yeah, a few yeah. kilometres later? But actually, I mean, actually, Kino said if you don't go sideways, you're not a cyclocross rider. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Rider was it? Rider of the day. Oh, in Flanders, was, yeah. he didn't I'd win. He was so. fourth, but it was yeah. an he incredible won, ride. Yeah. If that crash didn't happen, I mean, how much? Because he was ridden off by by the commentators, they were saying no way, finish for the day. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. But then they started to go backpedaling, going, "Well, actually, he's doing really well." <laughs> it took him. It probably took him. I mean, I'm trying to remember. It probably took close to ten kilometers mm. to get on, and he had he did have one teammate at least yep. that was right there with him. He had one or two, in fact, but still, you know, it, mm. it was game on. That was race on at that point. There was no 
easier bits, easier sections. And they weren't backing it off at all. So his problem is that his team is too small. So his team is not invited at, in Roubaix. Yes. This is, this is a problem for him, yeah. which probably not, will not be a problem. It for won't next be a problem year. in the future. <laughs> uh, I'd say he'll be there next year, I'd imagine. Um, but he's incredible, isn't he? And, and I must say, a little bit naive of me, I thought as we were doing our tips and picking who, you know, who was going to be up there, I, I actually thought, no, he'll be, it's his first one. He's a little bit too young. Yep. He won't go the distance in Flanders. Yeah, he's 24. I mean, it's nowadays it's funny how the sport has changed and almost done full circle. 24 is – that's the new winning age almost, yep. you know. Yeah, uh, second Peter place Sagan. was 24. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. So uh, I'll never I'll never say that again, that he won't go the distance or guys like him because, you know, he, he's brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. Casper or Green. Green. Yeah, Casper yeah. Asgreen, yeah. Asgreen. That's as the green other. as ever. Yeah, he was as <laughs> good. Race. Yeah. Oh, I love it, the pun. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, that's one of the biggest mistakes, I think, mm. of teams. To kind of quick step, used Asgreen as the, as the super domestique. Now, okay, they can be forgiven. I'm having a bit of a tongue-in-cheek go at them. But, I mean, he sits on the front for half of the bike race, goes in the brakes, and then attacks at the end, slips off the front for a lazy second. I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. What are, they, what are they going to do for Rubay? And this, this is sort of on a serious note, Wes. Do you think guys like Gilbert, Stibar, they didn't put their hand up earlier and say, I'm not good? And we've all, I've been guilty of it, saying, oh, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Oh, I'm dropped. <laughs> you know, we've all, we're, I think we've all been guilty of that in our career at least once. Yeah. And I get the feeling that the two or three protected riders at De Coining, Never said that, and Asgreen could have had he could have changed his whole tactics. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. What the whole what ifs behind that? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. but the team are gonna the team are gonna obviously reflect that straight away. You know, you know, it's we can see that clear as day. So yeah. internally, you can imagine what's going on there and the turmoil that's probably happened yeah. leading into um, into Roubaix. And and I guess probably also you know forty fifty k's to go in defence of those riders. Mm. They're probably thinking, no, I am good. Yeah, probably, I'm good. Probably, I'm, I'm a little bit juicy, but I'll come good. Everyone yeah. else around me is struggling. It's it's yeah. the Ronda. And yeah. then suddenly you get dropped. Uh, 15K to go. Absolutely. Uh, Flanders woman. It's a double win for the Italians. They cleaned uh, up. Didn't <laughs> they? they cleaned up. Mm. Um, and Annemiek van Vluten finishes again on the podium. Um, she's having another great year. Yet again, it's not a win. But uh, yeah, what do we make of that race? It was a great race. Well, I think we've, yeah, first we've got to pay a huge tribute. Not not to just uh, Van Vluten, but of course Mitchelton, the women's team, yeah. the Australian Sar- team. Saroy did. They almost yeah. won the race. Um, so no, it was a great race. It was a great race, uh, women's Flanders. And you know, I can't wait for the day that we can see it all live. I mean, you need split screens. You'd have to because they're racing the same time as the men, and they only finish about an hour before. Fair, fair do to SBS though. They 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 broadcasted that whole women's race as well. Yes. Um, so you could watch it if you wanted. Yeah, right. It was streamed, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, my, yeah, that's right. My, my bad. But you they, still need two screens. That's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah they, well, you can do that. But no, it's a great race. It's a and you know what? Kudos to Flanders Classics, and I guess the Northern Classics in general, apart from Paris Roubaix. Exactly. Are we going to see a Roubaix, a Paris Roubaix women's race at? some point or is it is it is it just ASA ASA have got a bit of a problem with this. Yeah. I think they the course has been you know it's been watered down a little bit. It's going I wouldn't say it's going forward. It's it's at a standstill. Yeah. And Paris Bay, which they own, 
there's no women's race yet. You've got a Flanders for the women. You've got a Liège for the women. Of course, Amanda Spratt, second last year. You've got a Flesh Willown for the women. You've got a, a Hent blood. There's a Gerald for the women. Yep. I think ASO, they're the biggest... You know, they're the they're the sort of they hold the keys to the mm-hmm. to the sport really, not the UCI. Yeah, and I think they need to step up and have a women's Paris Bay. Absolutely, that would sound just natural. Yeah, and I think it'd be bigger. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, think it'd I be mean, bigger than the women's AFL Grand Final. Yeah, yeah. two thousand people in that stadium. <laughs> yeah, it'll yeah. be at the MCG next year. Yeah, totally. No, I think it's. Sorry, we're going away from the, the women's <laughs> Flanders race, yeah. but I think it's a good debate. I think. There needs Actually, to be a bit we put more it pressure. to people on Twitter. You know, should Pyro Bay have a women's race? Uh, you totally. Just hit uh, Dave McKenzie mm. on his Twitter. Yeah, yeah, do <laughs> it. Nothing else do, to do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> All good, guys. Yes. Um, couple of just a little minor things off off the uh, Roubaix. You need a Roubaix t-shirt. Yes, <laughs> I'll bring that next week. <laughs> Richie Port. Yes. Couple of little quotes from Richie. We know he's how his season has unfolded so far. It started off really well in Australia, but then he's had illness and uh, bits and pieces. He's had to change his program. And he's just watching his rivals all around who have been performing really well, uh, like Bernal, the Yates boys, Lopez winning, winning Catalonia. And he's saying, just hope they can hold their form all the way to TDF. And Is that a bit of a zinger? I think so, yeah. <laughs> and he's saying, and he, but he is saying, look, you know, Hopefully this will be a blessing in disguise for me because this has probably been... It's the, the only way you can look at it really, isn't it? Well, yeah, <laughs> and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago or last week when you were on, Wes, and about the psychology, I guess, mm. of winning the tour and the psychology of Richie. Mm. I think this is actually a pretty good thing because I think he's been so, so hot in previous years and not that he hasn't been good at the tour. He's had just bloody two years of terrible luck at the tour. Yeah. So his form has been good. But I think this is not a bad thing. What do you think? Oh, it, as in I mean, the slow build. I up. mean, he's he's always come in, yeah, like as a as a as a key favourite, like when with the form and the and the results leading in. But this time, not so much. So let's hope that that approach and him sort of doing a little bit of uh, tough talk as mm. well through shows that his head's uh, in the right spot that he thinks he's he's going to have a, have a good crack at the tour. So, and how do you think the team is feeling about this? I'm sure that that's that's why we're getting these quotes from him through the media, through that team of propping him up and making sure that he's headstrong as well as leg strong. Mm. Well, the talk is he's possibly going to Tour of California. Mm. Tour of California and then either Tour de Suisse. Nice race too, well organised. California. Nice nice hotels. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be nice nice for him. And there's some solid stages there too, so... We can see see a nice backup of a result there. Um, that'd be that'd be nice for his head as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else? Oh, I think that's about all. I think we've um, we covered oh, it. Oh, all. We, we forgot to mention about Macca at the. Uh, <laughs> at the oh, yeah. So uh, yeah. tell us about your last uh, raid. Well, uh, well, I tell you what. This bloke next to me, uh, I'm at the I'm at my the crit. I'm at the. I'm actually. It's the last crit of the summer season, and I'm determined to and finish on, fair with do the front group. Fair do you doing it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> you. I remember who my friends are. So I hear this voice every lap, come on, Macca, move up, move up. So it's sort of getting me all energised, and I'm feeling like I'm 22 again. Because he's sitting last wheel. <laughs> so it's you, Wes, of course. And then I finish. I end up finishing with the group. I get dropped in the last lap, but I finish, you know. I'd call it bunch time. And... Um, Wes is like, Jesus, mate. And I'm like, oh, it was you yelling out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And he's like, oh, you went all right. You know, what did you lose? Just one lap or two laps? I'm like, no, I finished with them. Because I was yelling I didn't know if that, that was a little, just a you know, cheeky buddy stab at me. But, you know, it's up here, mate. Don't worry. No, I thought you, because you were down the back the whole time. Then I had a yell. I thought, oh, he's got dropped. You thought you... I'd done one of those, you know, flat tyre halfway around yeah. the course, change the wheel, get a lap out, get back in on the front. I, I thought oh, we all it. know those people from Bakery's. <laughs> How was it to be back on the crits? Oh, Look, it was great. I mean, people are saying, you know, what are you doing back racing? And they're thinking, I'm, you know, chasing the dream like Andrea Tuffy. Or... <laughs> There's none of that, I promise you. But Because you mentioned you never read Paris-Roubaix. Is that the, the Yeah, the yeah, there. I'm training for that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I can break my collarbone in three places. Um, in five years' time, I'll be oh, 50. Can't believe I'm saying yeah. that. Yeah. And I probably won't be able to line up in a A-grade club crit. Uh, so I figure I might as well do it now while I still can, even though I'm only just scraping around. You know, uh, you're having fun. It's the most oh, I'm having thing. fun. That's right. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Thank you, guys. It was a great uh, to uh, to have you again in this special podcast for Pyrobe. Thank you, Wes, for thank you uh, joining much. us. And thank you, Maka. I guess we'll see you in the next uh, podcast. Thank you. Still a few classics to go. Absolutely. That was the Zwift Cycling Central podcast for this week. Remember, you can uh, download, uh, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central, or schedule a ride with our lovely friends at Zwift. Until next time, it's bye for now. A quick shout-out from our sponsor before we go. If you're looking for a new way to ride without traffic or punches getting in your way, hop on Zwift. We use it. Your cycling buddies probably use it. And the pros, they definitely use it. Zwift turned indoor training into a full-on gaming experience. Connect your PC, Mac or Apple device and you'll pedal with thousands of cyclists around the world. And there's a good chance you'll see a pro on there too. Loads of them are on Zwift on their rest days riding around Wattopia. Give them a ride on if you see them. If you've got a trainer, start your free trial on Zwift.com.